You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. What is this psalm about? Well, it's about expressing the confidence on the part of God's people for the deliverance of the Lord in the face of affliction and persecution. And the psalmist, though speaking chiefly about the affliction and persecution of Israel, this is one of those timeless truths for us today. When you think of the book of Psalms, your first thought may be of a wistful green meadow with a babbling brook. This is a deceptive image. As Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, the Psalms were not penned amidst ideal circumstances. They often came out of a very troubled heart that was seeking rest and strength in the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 127 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So he contrasts these two builders who apparently are, they have a lot in common. They both heard the words of Jesus. They both want to build. They both have plans to build. And the only difference is one builds on the sand as the foundation and the other builds on the rock. So when, not if, the storms come and the storms do come, it's just a matter of time before the house built on the sand comes crashing down. And Jesus even says very specifically that it will fall with a great fall. Why? There's no foundation. It's on the shifting sand. Now contrast that builder with the one who built his house on the solid rock. That was the foundation. So when, again, not if, the storms of life come, that house is immovable. Now what's the difference? What's the point of the parable? What's the lesson to be learned? Well, the one who built his house on the rock is the one who not just heard the word, but put it into practice. The one who built his house on the rock heard the words of Jesus, but also was a doer, not just a hearer of God's word. Applied the word, put the word into practice, lived according to the word of God. That's how we build our lives on the foundation, that rock solid foundation of Jesus Christ, so that everything now that we do in our lives is based upon, built upon the Word of God and the God of the Word. So when it comes to, I don't want to get too far off here, but when it comes to marriage, Jesus Christ, and every time I do a, a, marriage, a wedding, I always emphasize the paramount importance of keeping Jesus Christ and His rightful place at the center of that marriage. If Jesus Christ is not at the center of that marriage, it's just a matter of time. It'll come crashing down, sadly. And the statistics bear it out. The one 
who builds their marriage on that rock-solid foundation is the one who builds upon the Word of God, putting the Word of God to practice. Psalm 128. Again, another song of ascents. Verse 1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Now you'll, <laughs> the imagery is a little bit, you know, um, more for that day in that time. Verse 4, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Well, this psalm is interesting because it really provides us with a list of all of the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. Maybe this is as good of a time as any to sort of redefine, well I should say define, what it really means to fear the Lord. You know, maybe first, what does it not mean to fear the Lord? To not, what it means to not fear the Lord doesn't mean you're, you're terrified of Him. You know, you're afraid of Him. No, the fear of the Lord is to have a deep reverence and awe and respect is a, for lack of a better word, where you just reverence God. You have this reverent fear of who He is, Almighty God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, Almighty God. It's a, a fear, a respect, a revering of, a reverence for. So now the psalmist is giving us this list, and again, by any stretch of the imagination, it's a very practical list. It, it deals with our day-to-day -day lives, and these are the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. Now when we get to the Proverbs, which I can't wait to get to the Proverbs, this is after the book of Psalms, by the way, and we're, we're getting there, we're almost done with the book of Psalms. Maybe we'll get through the book of Psalms before the rapture happens at this rate. We're still working uh, towards that. But in the Proverbs, we're going to be told that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Now, here the psalmist is saying, that might be what the fear of the Lord is, but here's what comes as a result of the fear of the Lord. I found three blessings. You might find more. But here's the first one. Satisfaction in your work. That's a biggie, isn't it? You know they say, I, whoever they is, you know that expression, you know they say, you know one of these days I want to meet they. I'm waiting for that day when somebody comes up, introduces themselves to me, and they say, you know, my name is They. You're They? Oh my goodness, you're They. I've heard so much about you. <laughs> you certainly have a lot to say, They. Anyway, They say that if you enjoy 80% of what you do in your job, in your career, in your work, 
<laughs> you're, you're miles ahead of the rest. It, in other words, 20% of what you do on a day-to-day basis in your career, in your job, if you loathe it, that's okay. The implication being that most people go to a job and work in a place where they just hate it 90% of the time. They only maybe enjoy 10% of what, that is so sad. You know, when I think about that as a, as a pastor, and I think about the joy that it is to be a pastor and a teacher of God's Word. You know, when I first started in the ministry, I sold my business, and uh, my church on the mainland, my first church that I planted, uh, the board was really after me to start taking a salary. And I was still living off of the uh, income that was generated uh, from my business and also the proceeds from the sale of my uh, company. And I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to, you know, take any money from the church. And they, they were like, no, we need to pay you because it commits you to the church too, if we start paying you. And I, I was very candid with them. And I said to them, you know, I'm really struggling with this. You're going to have to pray for me because I can't imagine how it is possible to get paid for something that I would do just because I want to. And and you're going to pay me to do this? Well, it's biblical, so yes we are. But I I would venture to say that probably 99% of what I do is such a joy. I tell you, the one things, the one thing I, it's not that I, I don't want to say I, I, well, let me say dislike it. I, I, I don't like doing, I don't like doing memorial services uh, when somebody uh, goes home to be with the Lord. Uh, I especially don't like doing memorial services for children or for babies. Uh, those are really hard. Going to the hospital, hospital visitations, uh, those are really hard. I don't, um, you know, really look forward to those. Uh, that's tough. Uh, sometimes when you're offering biblical guidance, I'm just being open with you. I hope you're not uncomfortable with my transparency here. But uh, sometimes just um, as a, a pastor counseling, we really call it more biblical guidance than professional counseling. But when I'm, you know, talking with somebody and they're sharing with me what is going on in their lives, and it's just heartbreaking. And that's, that's kind of, and I carry it hard. I, uh, I carry it, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, my heart breaks for God's people when they're going through difficult times. And that's, that's kind of the, the harder part of what I do. I love doing baby dedications. Oh, I love doing baby dedications. You guys need to start having more babies so I can do more baby dedications. I haven't done one in a while. I love doing weddings. Weddings are great. Oh, I love doing weddings. Uh, I, lo- I love water baptisms too, by the way. Oh, anyway, uh, where was I? We were actually in the Psalms here somewhere. So Psalm 128. Oh, yeah. So the first one, <laughs> the first blessing that comes to those who fear the Lord is satisfaction in your work. Here's the second one, and this is a biggie. A happy wife in the home. Have you heard that expression? <laughs> Wives, don't elbow your husbands, please. (laughs) Uh, 
if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> you heard that one before? No? Yeah. Neither have I, so it's theoretical. But <laughs> I, think, I think the other one is, a happy wife is a happy life. And no truer words were spoken. But the man who fears the Lord is going to have a blessed wife. And his wife is going to be happy and a blessing to him, not a, not a nagging on him. Again, that's another proverb for when we get there. But, you know, a cantankerous and contentious woman who's always nagging at her husband is like a dripping faucet. It's, it's so bad that it, it would be better to eat breadcrumbs in the toaster you know, after the cockroaches have got to them, they've been there for a couple weeks, it would be better to eat those crumbs in the toaster on the roof of the house than it would be to eat a steak at the table with a nagging wife. There, that <laughs> just wanted to even the score. <laughs> so, yeah, so a man who fears the Lord is going to have a happy wife in the home. Here's the third one. And it's that of children who are a blessing, children who are a reward, and then even long life to see grandchildren. Now, I don't have any grandchildren yet. Um, I, I'm not, <laughs> I may not see grandchildren before the Lord comes. If He does, praise the Lord. Um, I've already got enough gray hairs. I should already at this age have grandchildren, but I don't. But I have talked with those of you who do. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about your grandchildren that it's almost, and I think I had someone tell me that I love my grandchildren and I, I spoil them more than I did my own children. Uh, and what I love about my grandchildren is I can just send them home. And here's another thing I love about my grandchildren. Uh, remember when you were a kid and your parents would, my mom used to say this to me all the time with her thick accent. She would say, Wahido, you wait till you have children of your own. I'm like, yeah, mom, whatever. And then I had children of my own. And those words just came back to my remembrance with reverb, and they would echo in the chambers of my mind. And I'm like, Mom, you were so, Mom, I'm so sorry. Of course, she'd already went home to be with the Lord. And uh, so I couldn't, <laughs> oh well. Anyway, enough of my problems. So, grandchildren and children, they're going to be a blessing. Your wife is going to be a blessing. Your work is going to be a blessing, all because you fear the Lord. One thing, uh, one last thing before we go to Psalm 129. I was thinking about this, and I was kind of struck with the sense that the psalmist is speaking from personal experience. In other words, the psalmist fears the Lord. And it's almost like he's saying, I can testify, put me on the witness stand, and I can tell you that the man who fears the Lord is going to have a blessed life, a blessed wife. His wife will be a blessing. His children will be a blessing. Why? Because his children were brought up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And the children were brought up in a house where the father and the mother feared the Lord. 
I was talking with my uh, 21, he's 21 now, I can't believe it, uh, my 21-year-old son, Elias. And he was going off on, uh, we were talking about the whole AI thing, and how he really thinks that the Antichrist will actually be artificial intelligence. I think he could be onto something. So uh, we were just go- kind of going back and forth, and, and, and he made a comment. I thought, whoa, where did you get that? And then it dawned on me, he got it from me. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank, you know, it's not what is taught, it's what's caught, right? And when your children watch you as you're training them, and, and by the way, what's the number one thing that a parent has to be oh so careful about in training up their children? Hypocrisy. Do what I say, not what I do. Oh yeah, how's that working out for you? No, they, they need to see it modeled. They, they, my boys needed to see modeled by me how it is that a man of God loves his wife like Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I want, if the Lord tarries, for my wives, my son's wives, yet future, to say to me, thank you for the way you brought up your boys because you taught them well, and you taught them right, and you brought them up right. They know how to treat a woman. Because those boys watched how I treated their mom. The best thing you could ever do for your children, dad, is to love their mom, and to model for them, this is what a man of God looks like. This is what a godly husband looks like. This is what a a godly man looks like. It's not just in words, it's in deeds. Psalm 129, another song of ascents, verse 1. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord, verse 4, is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. Let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Let them be as the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up. With which, verse 7, the reaper does not fill his hand, nor he who binds sheaves his arms, Neither let those who pass by them say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Okay, what, what, what is the psalmist talking about here? What is this psalm about? Well, it's about expressing the confidence on the part of God's people for the deliverance of the Lord in the face of affliction and persecution. And the psalmist, though speaking chiefly about the affliction and persecution of Israel, this is one of those timeless truths for us today. And by that I mean, God is always, and I mean always, going to have the final word when it comes to the affliction 
of His people for the sake of righteousness. Let me say the same thing in a different way. If you're on the right side of a matter, you can be rest assured, though it may not seem like it, the adversity that is against you, those that are antagonizing you, those that are afflicting you, those that are persecuting you, for righteousness sake, you can be rest assured that God will have the final word. This is what we were just talking about in Second Corinthians, when Paul's writing to the church in Corinth in chapter 4, and if there was ever a man who could say this, it was the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he writes in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Again, there's a a paradoxical truth woven into the fabric of this psalm and what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians. And it's that of, yes, this is what might be your lot in life, that co-worker, that just, I mean, they, because you're a Christian, and worse yet, they might be your boss. And they just make your life intentionally very difficult, just because you're a Christian. Let me share with you, maybe just give me a a couple minutes, um, a true story. I've shared it before, it's been a while, but I think maybe it's apropos. This is many years ago on the mainland when I was in my 20s and I was working for Mercedes-Benz at the time. And I had this uh, guy older than me, uh, knew I was a Christian. Um, and, you know, I, I really tried to, uh, you know, uh, be a good witness, especially in the car business. And I wanted to maintain my integrity and have all of my dealings be above reproach. And there was this one guy... Um, his name was Harry. Uh, and uh, he would, I mean, do everything. It was like he would get up in the morning and try to scheme and plan and figure out a way to get to me. He would steal my customers, take my commissions, and, you know, just, just to kind of see what I would do. And he would always taunt me and you know, kind of ridicule and mock me, and you know, you call yourself a Christian, and which always gets me when a non-Christian says to you as a Christian, and you call yourself a Christian, what? You're the expert on what a Christian is supposed to be? Really? The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. 
we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.